Hello and welcome to Backchat, your podcast all about scoliosis, yoga and back care. My name is Christine Jaregiberry. I'm a yoga teacher, creator of the Yogaberry Yoga for Scoliosis community and YouTube channel. And this show is all about supporting you on your scoliosis journey. So if you're looking for practical advice and inspiration on how to manage the condition with yoga and movement, then you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Uh, good afternoon. Good morning, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to Backchat. Welcome to Yoga Berry, your yoga for scoliosis community. My apologies if you've been waiting. Um, you know what happened. <laughs> we were um, basically all ready to go live and we already started chatting and, and, you know, everything was going really well. And then I realized we were not actually live and we're just chatting to ourselves. So, um, my apologies for this, but uh, at least we've got you all here now. So, um, yes, we are a little bit late, but um, we're here now. And I know there's lots of you here and, and I love that you're already in the chat and, and commenting in there. And Gavin is there, Shamala is there, Linda is there, uh, Laura is, is here. Um, fantastic. Tatiana is saying good morning. So thank you so much um, for your patience and for sticking sticking with us here today because um yes it's it's going to be great um so for those of you who don't know me yet my name is christine jaregi berry and i'm a yoga teacher i specialize in yoga for scoliosis and um i love this show this is something i i do every wednesday afternoon if you're watching this on the replay maybe one day you can join us live here and, and ask all your questions um so sometimes it's just me talking about a topic sometimes i've got an interview guest and today i do have an interview guest and it's the the lovely deborah walk and um she is an amazing yoga teacher she's a yoga therapist um she's been teaching for over 20 years people with back problems people with scoliosis um she's going to tell us all about her scoliosis journey we're going to talk about the organ system as well. She's got a lot of knowledge um, to share with us. And uh, she's based in New York City for, for those of you who don't know, um, she's the co-founder of Yoga Union Center for Back Care and Scoliosis, founder of Samamkaya Yoga Back Care and Scoliosis Collective. So very, very impressive lady. So I will bring her on now. Um, there she is. Um, hi and welcome again, Deborah. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to meet you again. <laughs> yes, lovely. So, so sorry. You know, this is this is what these live things are like. You know, sometimes it's we just have little slight technical issues, but it it always works out in the end, right? And uh, perfection is overrated, right? <laughs> Definitely. So. <laughs> Lovely. So Liz is saying hello from uh, West Yorkshire. Great. We've got Samir from India as well. Great. So Deborah, um, shall we kind of let's go straight in because I already well, we already would we're kind of getting into your journey and um, I don't want anyone to to miss out on, on this, obviously. So let's start again. Okay. <laughs> um, 
would you mind telling us about your kind of your personal um, scoliosis journey, kind of when it was first diagnosed or when it was first mentioned, when it was first realized? And then, um, yeah, how you got into yoga from there? So probably unlike a lot of you, it was not diagnosed as a child or I wasn't aware of it being diagnosed. Um, I had a lot of balance and proprioceptive issues as a child. Um, I had trouble turning left in any kind of sports or dance activities. And um, when I was about eight, I had severe neck pain and misalignment. My head got really stuck in one place. And I was in a surgical collar for about three weeks and out of school. So that was kind of my first signal that there was something going on in my spine, but it wasn't, no one paid a lot of attention to it in the, in the adult world. And I definitely had a lot of kyphosis and my mother did too. So again, not a lot of attention paid to it because she, she just accepted that she had kyphosis. It wasn't considered a medical issue. Yeah. And um, then when I was about 32, I fell off a ladder. I was a decorative painter and I was 12 feet off the ground and I fell on my ribs, my sacrum and my tail. And um, I was brought to the hospital and they didn't do anything except give me painkillers. And so then I started seeing different kinds of body workers because I couldn't walk for a while after that. And then um, once I could walk, I was plagued with terrible sciatica and stiffness. And um, then I fell again the following year. And finally I was living in Germany and I saw a fabulous body worker um, who was also a PT. And he charted the spinal processes, the bumps on the back of the spine when you feel your back. Yeah. And he drew it on a piece of paper and found all my patterns. And he said, you've had scoliosis your whole life oh, wow. um, since you were a baby. And, um, and he gave me some exercises for it, and which I didn't do. <laughs> but I did feel better after working with him in person when I would see him. And then um, a year later or so, I started practicing yoga for different reasons, uh, emotional reasons and mm -hmm. psychological reasons. And I realized my back was feeling better. It was Shivananda yoga. So it was sort of just stretching, no alignment, stand on your head really crooked. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was what I was doing. Yeah. And then I moved on to um, what I thought was, at the time, I thought, oh, it's real yoga, like Ashtanga is real yoga. So I um, started practicing that. Um, and then after a couple of years, I realized I had a number of repetitive stress injuries. And for a short stint in between the Hatha yoga and the slow yoga of different types, Mm -hmm. I did a moment of Iyengar yoga. Right. And I said, I want that feeling back again. Whatever was going on then, that's mm -hmm. what I want to get that feeling in my body. And so then I found a teacher who started teaching me alignment. I, I didn't go to the Iyengar 
Judo, it's the sort of mixed style with Ashtanga and Iyengar and other things. And I started getting much stronger and my joints started getting much more integrated. And it was at this time, probably around 2000, that I met Bobby Fultz. So Bobby Fultz is a wonderful yoga for scoliosis teacher with a very severe scoliosis who lives now in New Mexico. Okay. And she used to give regular workshops in New York. She was living in Pennsylvania. And um, I went to her workshop over and over and over again. Like whenever I could study with her, I would keep going. She did yoga for scoliosis workshop. And it, she worked with the eyes and external feedback. So lots of props, using the wall, using chairs. Um, training your eyes to move in a straight line. So very nervous system oriented. And it was perfect for me because that was really my weakness was the disorientation that I got from scoliosis. Yeah. And um, I already had like a teacher training certificate. And I just started taking this information and ran because there was nobody teaching this. Mm-hmm. And I thought people need this. And so then a few years later, I did Elisa's training and um, then I couldn't keep people away. There were so many people coming to me once I was on Elise Browning Miller's website. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of people with scoliosis. This really is working out for me. And um, so then I became known for working with scoliosis at that time. So Bobby was a huge help to me. And then also my primary teacher, Denny Kapler, was an enormous help to me because she mixed, she's an Iyengar teacher, but she really mixes um, anatomy with her teaching, very Mm -hmm. precise anatomy. So she'll probably give a little bit of an anatomy, almost an anatomy lesson at the beginning of a, a class as a theme. And then we work around that in class. And that really helped me get internal proprioception, which is called interoception. Yeah. So that I could feel where I was in space. So between those two teachers, I suddenly had a sense of who I was and where I was. Mm. And then my scoliosis started to decrease. So I actually had a huge curve decrease by the time, by 2007, I was wow. measured at almost no scoliosis. Wow, that's amazing. having something around 30 degrees scoliosis. Yeah. So um, I used those techniques plus traction for everybody. Yeah. And also the use of the breath, which I'll describe when we um, start talking about the lungs. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for... Yeah, for sharing this, and I can. There's so many things I can, I can relate to. Obviously, it's um, you know, we're we're all kind of there. We're we're looking for answers. We're looking for 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 help. And then you know, when when we finally find someone who kind of we connect with, and um, then it's really exciting, isn't it? And it's 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 really uh, amazing then to to start and learn more and as you say this this piece of um uh proprioception and and not quite knowing where we are in space is is just so very 
typical for um, for for people with scoliosis, and you know it, it comes comes up over and over again, and not being connected to like one side of the body or like a piece of the body that mm -hmm. feels like completely out of um, yeah out of place, out of touch. So, thank you so much for for sharing that. Um, so uh, Tatiana is she's going straight in. She's she's asking. So are you doing twisting and bending? <laughs> Am I doing twisting and bending? Are you doing um, twisting and bending? <laughs> I'm doing everything. Right. So um, there's only one category of pose that I personally don't practice, and um, it's not really specifically because of my scoliosis. It's more an organic issue that I have. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the arm balances, the bird poses like Makasana and Tikibasana, yeah. where your back is very round and your abdomen is very compressed. Yeah. And I've had a lot of abdominal issues. So, yes. um, so I avoid those poses. They also make me very anxious for some yeah. reason. And um, so those are the poses I don't do. I did have to learn to bend properly. So mm. a lot of people come and they roll through their spine to bend forward. And I do not do that anymore. Mm. Um, I bend from my hips, which is in the Iyengar system and probably some other system is the norm, is that you're bending from your hip sockets and your legs are being very supportive. And that's really important for working with the organ. Right. Because um, if you don't have the support of the leg, then everything continues to fall. Okay. Okay. Let, well, let's let's go. Um, let's go into this a little bit more. So um, I, I think this really highlights as well how much of a personal practice this is, isn't it? Oh, I lost her there for a moment. <laughs> She disappeared. Okay, I will wait for her to come back. So I'm going to go through some of some of you here in the chat. Um, so Candice is saying uh, greetings from Connecticut. Tatiana is saying thank you so much for answering. And she's you're asking about the main um, exercise that she's doing. So I'm going to ask her. There she is. <laughs> we lost you there. I am back. <laughs> We've got Sorry. you back though. <laughs> So um, yeah, so Tatiana is asking, what what are your kind of what are your I'm going to rephrase this. What are your kind of go to um, yoga poses? What are your your kind of in your personal practice? What are your favorites for um, you know back related maybe first, and then we'll obviously go uh, in towards the the organs a little bit more after that. Okay, so um, my practice is um, I'm very, very busy. So all of you who think you have no time um, for practice, then you can just uh, reflect on my life. I'm a busy studio director, and then mm -hmm. I travel for workshops, and I do mm -hmm. lots of classes and privates. And um, so sometimes my practice is just, I hang upside down for a couple minutes, um, but usually my practice, if it's a shortened practice, will be, I'll, I'll get on my Tressler, which is this big piece of equipment behind me here, if you have um, visuals today, and yeah. um, I'll do all of the standing poses. 
the all is all by meaning all I mean all the standing poses that are in light on yoga. Okay. So the lateral ones and the sagittal ones. So mm -hmm. those are a lot of people call them like the warrior poses and triangle. Mm -hmm. I don't always know all the English names. Um, and then Parjvottanasana. Uh, I don't know the English. So, um, you know, I'll go through all of those, including the twisting ones. The twisting ones are actually the most important for me. Okay. So um, I do do all of those. And um, otherwise, I mean, I love all the poses. I'm pretty much in love with yoga. So um, I might have a day where I feel heavy or I, uh, I'm a little bit sad and I'll do a strong backbending practice or I'll do a day where I'm nervous and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm on 10 cups of coffee and then I'll do twists and forward bends. Mm. So I, I feel where I am on my body in each day and then use that as a barometer and sequence around it. And usually I don't plan out the sequence. The sequence comes to me as I practice. Mm. And sometimes it's a complete surprise what comes up. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can relate to that. My, well, most of my <laughs> practices just uh, start by me lying on the floor, <laughs> just lying and, <laughs> and breathing. And sometimes I, I don't do anything else, right? <laughs> but sometimes right. I do. So, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I have it, to say every morning I do do my pranayama practice. I wake up, I open my eyes. I don't even worry about being in a perfect position like mm -hmm. I would be in a class, a pranayama class. I just, a pillow behind my back and I do the loma if I fall asleep I wake up and I start again um so I always get pranayama in because otherwise my energy gets like I notice the difference yes the difference in my energy yeah um, absolutely it makes the biggest difference doesn't it <laughs> huge that's a, um, it's a, it reminds me of something that my when I did my yoga teacher training and what my yoga teacher always always said she's she said you know um, well we we used to kind of start the the yoga practice with um, like ten minutes of pranayama and then the, the class would be like an hour um, and a half long and she said you know when people say after the yoga class that they feel amazing it's probably not even because of all the asanas because of all the yoga poses that they've been doing it's probably because of those 10 minutes of pranayama that we did in the beginning <laughs> so i i always thought that was amazing <laughs> yeah. good um lovely so how let's well i'm just checking if if anyone's got any questions right now um uh Crispa is saying hello how exciting to be able to view this <laughs> good so lovely you made you made it live which is fantastic Excellent. yeah i know crisper hi Christopher. oh do you okay <laughs> little shout out from deborah there um great so tell us what is what is the obsession with the organs it's quite um we haven't actually covered this very much here and on this back chat so i'm quite excited about this so how yeah, how did you kind of get into researching this? What was your um, motivation? Um, so my motivation was um, I 
was personal. So um, I was already teaching women's classes. I had very difficult menstruations. And so I studied with um, Jean-Marie Derrick and with um, Bobby Clinnell um, in a lot and had assisted Bobby Clinnell. And um, so I learned to teach uh, menstrual theories and prenatal theories. And I started a women's class and women came in with all kinds of different issues. So I had to study each time before I taught the class, I would study for hours and try to learn about every single thing you could do for any kind of woman's issue mm-hmm. or, um, you know, different, whatever the different uh, issues were. And then in um, about 10 years ago, I, I had an infection and they did a scan and an ovarian cyst that I had had for a long time had, can you hear me? Cause there's a lot of noise outside. Yeah, we can. I know there's a, that's an ambulance outside, but uh, it's New York, uh, <laughs> New York. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I, um, they found that I had a 15 centimeter cyst on my ovary and a 500 meter cyst on my other ovary. I'm a very small person. So the cyst was taking up the entire space of my abdomen. And I'll just make a long story short. I worked with a doctor who um, was happy to not assume it was cancer because everyone was assuming it was cancer and telling me to get a radical hysterectomy. And I didn't. And by the time I went for surgery, I waited three months before I went for surgery. I had shrunk the 15 centimeter cyst with yoga to five centimeters. And I shrunk the five centimeter cyst down to two centimeters. And the surgery on the cyst was very easy. And they found that it was endometriosis, but the endometriosis had grown all over my intestines and colon, and they had to cut it all off. And because the cyst was so large, the intestines were all the way on one side of my abdomen. And they were smushed together. Now, for your organs to work well, all organs have their own movements and rhythm called motility. And it's part of their function, their ability to function. So um, your intestines move in sort of a swing-like fashion, laterally. And if they don't have that movement, then you're not going to get the movement of the food through the intestines, which is why when I was um, very sick, I was vomiting. And then um, I ended up after the surgery, I still couldn't eat very well. And so I started going to a visceral manipulator. They're um, body workers who are able to move your organs from the outside. And she moved them back into the center and the intestines started moving again. So in this time with my yoga, I was also working with the yoga. And so I learned a lot about working with cysts, endometriosis, fibroids. So I had a couple of fibroids. Um, cancer because I thought I had cancer and with um, digestion Mm -hmm. and then I started teaching it because 
there were so many women with endometriosis. And according to my doctor, more and more women have endometriosis. Um, so it's becoming more common. And I also found that with scoliosis, that almost all, starting with my teenagers, almost all the women I work with have difficult periods. And that many of the women I work with get ovarian cysts. It's mm -hmm. the most common gynecological problem, so it's not surprising. But with scoliosis, the cyst was always forming on the side of a lumbar or thoracolumbar concavity, which is what side the bigger cyst was on for me. Mm. And my teacher, Jenny Kapular, had a theory that when there's not enough mass on one side of your body, so in the concavity side, that your body wants to balance things out and it will grow things. It'll grow a fibroid or it will grow a cyst. And um, I'm finding this to be true. That, wow, this um, is so amazing. The body always wants to heal itself. And so even on people who don't have scoliosis, in their pattern, I'll see always the cyst on that side, the side that is more concave. Mm. Wow. So that's amazing. how I got started with that. Yeah. So, but I've had students with heart problems and lung problems, and I just study and um, deal with all of them. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So I, well, just to share my personal <laughs> story there because I never made this link at all but I had a um, ovarian cyst as well when I was when I was a teenager I don't know <laughs> if it was on which side it was but that would be interesting to find out if it was on the on the side of the concavity so that's yeah that's very very interesting right and uh, Vaishnav is actually is asking will scoliosis affect the heart in any way so, yes, they have found that um, compared to the general population, um, people with scoliosis have more mitral valve prolapse than other people and also atrial fibrillation. So um, that's one heart issue. Mm -hmm. And um, I've also found that um, in people who had uh, braces, that the anterior posterior um, length is shorter. So people are usually narrower front to back and yeah. wider side to side. Yeah. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on the heart. And I see also a lot more anxiety, you know, like diagnosable anxiety in these people who have that kind of ribcage structure. You know, you don't have to be braced to have that kind of ribcage structure. It could also be that you have a very flat thoracic spine. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's a lot of pressure on the heart as well. So it might not be something that affects your lifespan or your heart's health, but it may be something that's affecting your heart in a way that is, um, connecting with your nervous system or your lungs. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, so Samia is asking about pain. I'm going to leave this for a little bit until we, um, 
yeah, until we're, we're, we're done with the organs, <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, because, yeah, there's there's a few more, more things I wanted to um, to ask you about. So another one that you obviously you, you talked about um, uh, uh, menstrual problems and all of that. What about firstly, that leads me directly to what about pregnancy? Is that something because people are women are always worried about um, is it more difficult to become pregnant? Is it harder to uh, be pregnant? Uh, you know, can we expect any problems giving birth with scoliosis? Um, well, I mean, there's always, you know, the amount of scoliosis. I'm sure mm -hmm. makes somewhat of a difference, but I have not noticed specifically fertility issues more in my students with scoliosis than in other stu um, students. Okay. Um, there's always, you know, what type of childbirth you're having. So if you plan to have, um, I'm blanking on what the name of it is when they um, give you pain relief during your delivery yeah an epidural yeah the epidural thank you um that it's harder to find where to put the epidural sometimes i can't do the epidural with um scoliosis yeah so um i'm always urging my students to have a midwife to have a doula so that you can try to avoid having those things because mm -hmm. they're going to have other solutions for pain relief for breathing than the medical, the more medical. You can go to, I mean, I understand people want to go to the hospital or they want to have a, their OBGYN deliver their baby, mm -hmm. but I'd say have a team with you. Right. Um, yeah. Because they're going to give a lot more solutions for pain relief and then maybe you can avoid doing epidurals and um, those other things that can be difficult with scoliosis and birth. Mm. Um, I have found that um, when I was studying prenatal and I was apprenticing a teacher, that um, she told me not to worry about alignment with prenatal yoga. And um, she said, the body's changing all the time. And so if you worry about alignment, what's aligned one week is not going to be aligned the next week. Yeah. And so I started taking that philosophy with students and they were having more problems during pregnancy. Okay. And then I went back to get, um, giving them more support, having them come very regularly to class or to lessons for their pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And um, those students did better. I would still give the scoliosis alignment cues. We would still put props so that the body stayed even while they were practicing. And I did not ignore the alignment um, right. because I had had one student and her child had a birth defect. And um, me and my teacher were a little bit suspicious that it was because I was ignoring the alignment cues. So I changed my tune on that. Okay. Um, but I think, you know, whether you had seen very healthy babies, I supported very healthy babies birth with women with fusions, um, long fusions. Um, our own teacher at our studio, Mimi Rossetti, had natural childbirth at home with her long fusions. Wow. Um, she practices a lot. 
but um, I do believe anybody with scoliosis can um, carry and deliver a baby. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Brilliant. I'm sure there's a lot of people um, who will be pleased to hear that. Good. So I've yes. got Linda asking, um, is there an increase in pneumonia with a thoracic curve? If so, is there a yoga pose that could help improve lung capacity? Um, I don't know about pneumonia. I, I don't. I don't even know if I've had students with pneumonia. Mm -hmm. um, but there's definitely. I would say that most of the yoga poses increase lung capacity if they're being done properly. Um, if you're having, it depends on the type of lung issues you're having. So normally the poses that we do on our back, like Supta Baddha Konasana, restorative poses that we do pranayama with, mm -hmm. um, we prop ourselves so that the chest is moving forward so that there's more space for the lungs anteriorly in the front and laterally on the sides. And then with your scoliosis, you want to prop the back of the concavity so the back body relaxes while you're doing this. It relaxes into the prop. So putting like a towel behind your concavity mm -hmm. is important so you're not um, gripping there. Right. Mm -hmm. But during COVID, what we were doing was things like prone shavasana over a bolster or adamukha virasana, which is kind of like a child's pose with the knees wide. Um, doing that with um, props, moving the lungs back because with COVID, the breath wasn't getting into the very bottom back portion of the lungs. So you have a lot more lung tissue in your back body because right. the lungs are longer. They go all the way from the top of the shoulder down to almost your waist mm -hmm. in the back. But in the front, the front, in the front, the lungs only go to like the level of the bottom of your shoulder blade. That's your eighth rib or your ninth rib. So they're quite high in the front, but there's a lot more lung tissue in the back. And it, with COVID, it was the back lung tissue. So we were doing prone poses, face down, and breathing into those low back lungs. Mm. So if you have a concavity in your thoracic curve, then if you're lying forward in child's pose or in prone shavasana, you need to put a blanket under the side of the concavity in front of your body. And this okay. is something I do with every student on day one. They do mm -hmm. child's pose or they sit on a bench if you can't bend your knees. You could um, have two chairs facing each other and put a bolster in front of you. Lie forward and put a big blanket under the thoracic concavity and breathe into the thoracic concavity. That is going to improve your lung function immensely as well as change your rotation of your scoliosis. Yeah. It, yes, it absolutely. can help heal that. So um, your ribs expand, the muscles between the ribs expand, and then the whole lung function improves on that side. Mm. Very interesting. So lying on the belly, you hear it, everyone, <laughs> supporting <laughs> the, the concavity. Um, great. Uh, well, 
anything to add for for lungs or shall we move on to um there's also um so a lot of people are narrow on the side of their concavity they're often narrow or some people have sort of a kyphosis in the back which means that the back is sticking out and then in the front it might also be full um, or the chest can be very depressed either way yeah. but the side ribs will also often be narrow in this case so the opposite of what i was talking about with bracing where the yes. ribs are wide and narrow front to back yeah. and so if this is the case for you is or for anybody actually, if you lie on the side of your convexity over a bolster or some rolled blanket mm -hmm. and breathe into your ribs on the opposite side, it's called a uh, bolster anantasana, mm -hmm. then you'll spread the ribs on the side of the body and get the lungs to work better on the side of the body. Mm. So um, this is also a wonderful pose for your lungs that I'll yeah. add in. Lovely. Yes, that's one of my favorites as well. <laughs> Very relaxing. <laughs> Very relaxing. Yes, absolutely. Um, good. So William is asking about uh, IBS and digestive issues. Is that something that where you see a correlation with scoliosis? I mean, are you, you already talked about the... Uh, what, what did you call it? The way the organs move? Motility. Motility, right. And and so I, I would imagine that there is some something could be being squashed. I'm, I mean, I'm just guessing here, but you tell us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, things are getting squashed, for sure. And I do see more IBS and those types of issues. Um, GERD. Uh, is really common with scoliosis, hiatal hernias, which will also um, create, um, I'm blanking again when it backs up. <laughs> um, my partner has this. But um, yeah, it's, um, those are all much more common with scoliosis. Mm -hmm. So what's happening is like I talked about that front back compression or one-sided compression. Um, and then because the spine is curved, it's sinking downwards. So I remember my teacher Bobby telling me really early on that um, as you age, your problems start with your esophagus, with your digestion, and then they just keep moving down, 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 down as you get older. Okay. So then you end up like at menopause, you end up with these um, reproductive system issues or um, your your digestive issues starts moving into the bowel or, um, you know, it depends on each person, of course. Mm -hmm. So you could have a digestive system all the problem all the way through. But um, there is a lot of compression and each part of the digestive tract is lined up along your spine so the digestive tract is like a hole in a donut it's actually exterior to the body and then only certain things get through like the nutrients move into the blood and so you you have you're like a we're in new york so i'll say it's a bagel your body's the bagel and then from your mouth and through your esophagus 
and down into through the diaphragm and into your stomach and then your intestines and then the colon and then out through your rectum and anus. You're also going on a diagonal from front to back. But the level of digestion starts at the top of your spine and it's a support for the spine as well as supported by the spine. Mm -hmm. So things like your um, esophagus and trachea, they're firm. And so they're also helping you stay upright. So if the health of those structures is not good, it can also be part of your spinal collapse. So what I would say about digestion is the more that you can traction out the length of your spine so that you have a better support for your digestive tract, the more your digestion will improve. I had digestion problems starting when I was six. I can remember sitting on the couch, holding my abdomen after dinner and crying. So it's been a lifelong journey with my digestion. And tractioning from down dog, from a doorknob, if you don't know how to do it, there's um, Elise Browning Miller's book. She has pictures of it. Tractioning your spine, really active in your arms and legs because you want your arms and legs to support you. Yeah. And, um, but getting very long through your spine. And as you do it, you can have a mental, a mental vision of from your mouth to your anus, putting that in a long diagonal line. And it will help line things up along the spine, which is being pulled into a long straight line from the traction as well. And they will complement each other and help each other. I like to think of all the structures and organs in the body helping one another. Yeah. And teaching one another. Yeah, lovely. That's amazing. Um, good. So Drew is asking, do you know if yoga can help heal an inguinal in hernia? I don't know if I'm saying this right, without surgery. Don't know if you um, can see this. It can strengthen you where you have the hernia. If it's a really pronounced tear, I would go get surgery. Yeah. Um I would try to avoid mesh, but you know, hernias, it's just if things start coming out, um, you have to repair it. Yeah. Yeah. There might not be a way around this. Yeah. <laughs> But if it's Good, slight, so. like I have a little hernia right above my navel. I don't know what kind it is. It's in an odd place. But um, I'm very strong. So it never keeps tearing. Nothing's really pushing out. Sometimes if I eat too much, I feel it a little bit. But um, yeah. as long as I keep my length and strength in my spine and my, my abdomen, I'm good. You're good. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, lovely. Any other... Um, organ-friendly yoga poses, maybe, <laughs> that you could, like, I mean, you talked about uh, traction, obviously, kind of create the, so the idea is to create space. I'm, um, that's what, what I understood for, for the organs yeah. to kind of, to kind of move around. Now in, uh, especially in uh, light on yoga, there's often, there's sometimes talk, I'm trying, I'm hoping I'm not saying anything mm -hmm. wrong now, 
that twists are a good idea for the digestive system? Um, they are a good idea for the digestive system. Um, with scoliosis, twists are the most confusing of all poses. Mm -hmm. And so the only twist I give for beginners is barred vajasana in a chair. And so that means you're sitting up on a chair and I usually sit backwards on the chair and use the back, it's a metal chair, right? Yeah. Your legs can go through under the metal thing. Mm -hmm. And you can put your hands on the metal back. Uh, if you're small, you don't even have to knock the back out. And you um, push down on the chair and get a lot of length first. And when I turn, I have a right sporical lumbar turn curve so when i turn to the right my spine is already very good at turning to the right yeah. doing it all the time so i just really work on sitting up and knitting my ribs together on the right side mm -hmm. and getting really long and when i go to the left i breathe into my concavity i even round my back and put my hand on my concavity and just spend some time breathing there first and then I put my hands back on the chair and push with my left hand to, at the level of my concavity to push that concavity back. But um, I do twist very judiciously. I can do a lot of twists and I love them. Yeah. But for digestion specifically, what I would say is that when you twist, and I hope I'm getting this right i had a note actually make sure i got it right but um when you twist to the right there's more of a tendency to open things so if you're having i don't want to be indelicate here say you're having diarrhea you would not want to twist to the right as much you would want to twist to the left Okay. Instead of get things to close up a little bit. Mm. And then um, if you're constipated, maybe you do a lot of twisting to the left because it has to do with a different valve at the base of the colon. And it stimulates one valve or the other. So um, I have found it very handy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's certain, great. Certain digestive situations. <laughs> yes. So repeat this again. So turning to the right... <laughs> Um, opens, opens things more opens it and turning to the left closes it sort so of tightens it more tightens so if you are prone to constipation you might want to twist to the right um yeah yeah okay <laughs> great that's amazing <laughs> i did not know that <laughs> <laughs> um probably not a lot of people do um the number one pose, if you're having like digestion, it's not going through or it's causing you a stomach ache or there's a lot of gripping in your abdomen, um, the number one digestive pose is virasana. It's so mm -hmm. simple. Like you could be like having horrible digestive pain or anything, anything at all. Virasana is the cure-all. You just sit on a block, knees together, feet apart. Yeah. Of course, your um, imbalances matter because they're part of what's causing it. So if you sit only on one sitting bone, then you have to prop your sitting bones so they're level. Right? You don't want to be sitting tilted over to one side so mm -hmm. all the weight goes to one side of the abdomen. But 
Virasana helps line up your digestive tract, the crown of the head over your tail, and gives you lots of length. And it really, um, I think there's some acupressure points on the backs of your calves that are stimulated that also help with digestion. So really good okay. pose for digestion. Great pose. Okay, good. Um, lovely. We've got... Frida is asking of scoliosis of the lower thoracic and upper lumbar spine convex to the right at 17 mm -hmm. degrees. Uh, menopause just started. So did pain from scoliosis. Any poses uh -huh. you can suggest? Um, so menopause and scoliosis are like adolescence and scoliosis. It mm. makes your scoliosis progress. Yeah. So one thing I would do is definitely you want to be doing your downward dog on a belt or a rope every single day so that you don't let that progress. And um, you just want to get a lot of elongation in your spine. Mm -hmm. And that will also help with pain. Um, if you're having things like hot flashes and other menopausal symptoms, then it gets more complicated and um, that would be a whole nother lecture. Yes. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you want to do cooling poses, shoulder stand is cooling, or Setu Banda is more simple with your scoliosis. So shoulder stand I always find hard with scoliosis, but yeah. Setu Banda is a blessing for your digestion, for your um, menopause, for cooling the body, for elongating the body, for any kind of reproductive system issue, for hormonal balance. Setu Banda is one of my very, very favorite healing poses. And the best way to do Setu Banda is with a bench. So if you have an Iyengar teacher that you can um, work with, who can put you on a bench, even if it's just once a week, it's really gonna help you get through menopause. But it's mm. definitely a big setup and you have to learn it. Okay. So, yes. Um, not something uh, you're going to figure out at home. It's bridge pose, isn't it? It's supported bridge pose. I think. Yes. Yes. And yeah. the ones that are best for menopause and reproductive system issues, hormonal issues, is um, that kind of safety body, not just the one with the block under the pelvis or just lifting your hips up, but maybe using two folded blankets mm -hmm. from your low shoulder blades through your pelvis. And then having your feet up on a lift. Yeah. So um, so that you're arching your upper back over the blankets. Yes. I can show you a picture if you allow me to share yes, my I screen. Think, I okay, think let me get to the picture. You can. But I don't think I have a picture of the more home-based home one. I have a bench safety bond picture. Mm -hmm. But this yeah, is one so of the with, things um, that... I don't, I don't know if you know Judith Hansen-Lasseter. Um, anyway, she's she's my uh, restorative yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. um, yep, and she teaches it either with blankets or with two bolsters, like lined up long, so that you're lying on the two bolsters. So one bolster mm -hmm. after the other. 
I'm a little, I'm in a minority here, but I'm a little wary of lying on bolsters with them going vertical along your spine because I feel like with scoliosis, you roll into your concavity and it's very right. hard to get yourself even right and left. Uh -huh. So instead of bolsters, you could take two blankets, fold them a long way, and then two more blankets near the wall and kind of uh, fold them up the wall a little bit. And you get the same effect, but without that tilting. Okay. But you're I on see. a flat surface. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Okay. People can email me and I'll, I can email them pictures of my setup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> Good, lovely. Any Anything else you, you would like to um, share or anything else? Um, um, for the people with the breathing issues, the other issue, um, I never had really a lung issue. I, maybe my curve is too low or I just, I don't know. I should have a lung issue as a long time smoker when I was young. But, um, but I did have a diaphragm, a movement of my diaphragm issue. And that can also be addressed by, you know, I was talking about child's pose or pone shavasana and breathing into the low lung. Because those of us with either if you have a long thoracic curve or you have definitely thoracolumbar curves are the worst for um, diaphragm movement. And right. then lumbar curves can also be bad. So um, you have one part of your diaphragm that is just not making the shape that it should be, right? It should be sort of like, it looks sort of like a mushroom or a clover leaf on one side. Mm -hmm. So that roundness is missing on one side, your concave side of your back. So if you can even have someone put their hand on your back so they're making like a C shape with their thumb and index finger and touch the diaphragm, which is your very lowest rib mm -hmm. in the back of the body where your concavity is until you can make a circle and fill that C shape of the fingers with the breath, or you can even do it to yourself because mm. your low ribs are available for you to touch and um, breathe into there. That helps a lot with my breathing mm. and um, access to my diaphragm. Yeah. And so yes. that's why I like twist because I'll breathe right into that spot from my twist and it opens up my diaphragm a lot. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Lovely. So, um, Deborah, where, where, how can people get in touch with you? Where can they find you if they want to, um, if they want to work with you? Do you offer any online sessions or um, you've got a studio, I think, haven't you? Okay, so I have a private studio um, where I give private lessons and I also give lessons on Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, I have a busy schedule, so you want to schedule well in advance. Like, don't expect me to make yes. an appointment for tomorrow. <laughs> and, um, and I like working in both online and in person. I'm very good at both. I have a really... I'm known for having an amazing eye because I think it's my art background. Okay. It really helps me look at the body. Yeah. And um, so I can see you on Zoom. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I also have classes on Zoom and in person. The in-person classes right now are very small and a very limited schedule. But um, those classes are through my center, the Workers Co-op, so it's not just mine, but it's what I, uh, the center I founded, Samam Kaya Yoga. Mm-hmm. And I think on um, Christine's site, you'll be able to find the name Self Out. And so you can take classes online or in person with me there. Um, the only class I'm teaching, weekly class I'm teaching online is for intermediate students. So you have to have a year of yoga for scoliosis. Okay. If you come to that class. But in person, it's all levels. And then um, I'm going to be teaching this weekend at California Yoga Center. And um, that's Elise Browning Miller Center. I won't be yep. there. I'll be online. And Fantastic. that's Friday night, Saturday. I don't know if it's at night. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It depends on your time zone. For me, it'll be at night. And um, the Friday evening is anatomy of scoliosis, anatomy of the organs, and anatomy of the nervous system. Hmm. On Saturday, I'll be teaching specifically in the nervous system why we have different feelings right and left and why we have um, proprioceptive difficulties, what to do about it, and how touch helps, whether it's your own touch, the touch of a wall, or the touch of a teacher. Hmm. And then on Sunday, I'll be teaching organs. Specifically, it's very good for um, older people like me who are post-menopause. Um, that things begin to really start to sink down. But, you know, if you have more scoliosis, it could start very early. And that sinking feeling, what poses you can do to lift yourself out of your lower organs and maintain a strong lower body so that you don't start to have that uh, dropping feeling in your Mm. organs and collapse of the organ system. Yeah. Brilliant. This is the, uh, is that the level two weekend? Um, It's all levels this weekend. I think it's you like, should have okay. a little yoga before yeah. you come. I, I, wonder, it it, I wonder if I signed up for this. I think I, uh, I think I did. <laughs> because Elise. <laughs> okay, well, and, I hope so. <laughs> so, um, uh, yes, I will not be there live because it's like uh, three o'clock at night for me. But, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> But I will watch it afterwards, definitely. Super. I'd love to hear your feedback. Yeah, lovely. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. This was amazing. I did learn a lot today. Fantastic. And I really enjoyed being on your program. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> thank you. And yes, I will, I'm linking to everything, obviously, that you mentioned in the description so everyone can connect with you as well if they want to. Um, yeah, so thank you so much. And um, yeah, hope you stay in touch. Yes, please keep in touch. I'm so glad we connected. Lovely. And thank you, everyone who's here live. Yes. And absolutely. all of you recording in the future, watching the yeah. recording. <laughs> Catching up afterwards. Thank I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, I would be super grateful if if you could leave me a five-star rating 
and review, which will help me to create lots more amazing content. If you have any questions or suggestions, reach out to me on Instagram at yogaberry.scoliosis or visit my website at www.yogaberry.net.